0: If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Motorcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith You may know me as lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain Or from my heavy metal podcast, Talking Bollocks My name is highlighted in the description of the podcast If you click on that, it'll take you to all of the podcasts I've ever done But on this show, I am your guide. I am here for you to show you around and navigate The world of all things Motorhead. That's right. Speaking of which, all things Motorhead, you can find them at imotorhead.com. That is the best place to find all of your motorcast information. Whilst you're at it, why not subscribe to the podcast wherever you get this. Click on the button that says subscribe. It could look like a bell. It could look like a thumbs up. It could look like anything. It'll usually be a button that says subscribe. Click that and every two weeks you will get an episode of the motorcast into your ears you don't have to do a thing that's it it's that simple spread the word folks and make sure you subscribe you subscribe (laughs) easy for me to say so we have yet another cracking interview for you this is with nick moore Now Nick was Motorhead's publicist from 1995 through to 2015. 20 years of working with the band and Lemmy very closely on all of their projects and I got a chance to uh, have a chat with him. It was an absolute blast and you're going to hear it now. Hello there Nick, it's um, Howard from the Motorcast.
0: Howard, how are you?
1: I am very well, how are you? Good, good gonna jump straight in and start these things the way i tend to always start and that okay. is um so how how did you first get involved with motorhead
0: well i i, I actually got involved with the band uh, in the, the mid-90s i think it was a sacrifice album and tour um but i, I as a 16 year old i was backstage at the marquee uh, by a mutual friends stevie smith and soul and i kind of saw him Around, you know, somebody got me tickets for Top of the Pops, and I bumped into him in the bar there and chatted to him. I think mean, it was a tube gig. I met him at. So, like a lot of geek goers of that era, um, I wouldn't say he was a friend, but he certainly knew my face from that time. Yeah, but I, I was a journalist for a few years, and I ended up working with the legendary uh, PR uh, Roland Himes. He worked with Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden, um, and I only just started there. And they got the Motorhead account when they with STV. Um, I think there were three days of press. Uh, and the first day, I think Roland went up there and came back and was moaning about what a bastard Lemmy was. He wouldn't do what he was asked. So we had Mick Wall working for us at the time, and he went up there on, on the next day, and he came back moaning, saying, "Oh, Lemmy wouldn't do anything." Um, so the third day, I said, "Well, I'll go up if you like." I said, "Well, you can't. You only just started." PR. I said, "Well." I'll give it a go. I said, to know him 100 years ago. So I went up there um, and spoke, basically met him at the bar and spoke to him. I said, look, this is what we got the photo shoot. We got these interviews. And he said, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I turned around to him. I said, you fucking well arsed. We've got this bloke's coming here. This bloke's coming. And he looked around at me and just laughed. he said, you're the first person that's actually stood up to me. <laughs> and many times over the, the 20 years I worked with him, he reminded me of that. He said, you're the first person to turn that <laughs> back at me. So... Um, that was the beginning of a beautiful relationship.
1: <laughs> that's that's lovely, and it, it kind of speaks to the man's principles as well. Is that like you oh, yeah. know he's 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 not he's not being an idiot. He's seeing what he can, he's seeing what he can get away with in testing oh, other people.
0: Yeah, and also he likes uh, a, a practical joke. So I think, <laughs> yes, like him snapping at people and then then not taking it in that way. Um, yeah, testing, I suppose. In a way. yeah, you're right but that must have um, been
1: that must have been a great feeling to walk to walk back in the office and go uh, you know with, with yeah, at the end of the day, day yeah, yeah. yeah yeah with all these old hacks there and go but what was the problem think, i
0: also think it was relief uh, for <laughs> roland and Mick to think oh great we have got someone else that can deal with them on a day to day basis
1: <laughs> yeah um, maybe yeah
0: and and over the years because i i worked with them and we were so successful um um people came to me with other uh, artists that might might be problematic let's say so um i had nicky six uh, uh the wild hearts wasp venom anything of that ilk they thought oh my god this could be a nick moore's done them he can do this so it worked well it worked well
1: That's so you so you got um yeah you you got established as the um as the lion tamer as it were in the industry you well get... i was
0: also a little older and a little longer in the tooth and a lot of prs um and i certainly wouldn't take any any bullshit so um I think that was appreciated because the artists realised that if they're not taking bullshit from them, you are not going to be taking it from other people as well. Um, so I was always fighting, fighting the corner.
1: Right. So did that give you did that give you the sort of credibility to be able to say to be able to say, them well, um, he'd say, well, you know, I'm I'm not doing that. or I don't want to do that. And you'd be like, no, you need to do that. Well- and, yeah, and, he, because, and he'd accept because that because it it you... and
0: take. rather than me sort of dictating to him right you're in london for three days we're going to do this it was give and take i'd run through stuff so that like, i really wanted in fact when i when i first started working with a band um i think they were cool they couldn't even get a tour in the uk um there's just no interest so i started doing i think i did something like one music um publication one um, fanzine, maybe one student thing and one newspaper or timeout or something like that. So it had more of an impact, to kind of like oh hang on, it's an interview here, rather than a, a mass, mass campaign. Um, and he kind of appreciated that because he wasn't just doing endless things. And I could then argue to fanzine, I could say look this guy did this time, you can do it next time, but I've already got this. Um, so I think he appreciated it, and also got to the point where he had an understanding where if I had him in London for three days for press, I'd say to him, look, the management doesn't need to know this, the record label don't need to do this, but Tuesday you can have Tuesday off and go and see your your lady friends you and go to the antique shops, but Monday and Wednesday you're my bitch, you do what I tell you to do, and that worked great because he was happy because he's going behind the record label and the manager's back. Um, he was getting his day out to go and visit old friends and and, and whatever. And he knew he only had to do two days of work for me, so it worked well. We had a good relationship.
1: <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And um, and you were, I mean, you were uh, once you once you were in, you were in, weren't you? I mean, you were there for a long time.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's twenty over twenty years. I was the longest-serving publicist the band had ever had. Um, and again, I think it's because of that relationship that Lem and I had. You know, we were friends. He wasn't just a, an artist that I saw every two years. Um, you know, whenever I was in LA, we used to meet up, uh, go for drinks. I'd take him to gigs when we were in London. Um, so it's it nice to have that that relationship, a, an element of trust, let's say.
1: Well, that's that's a recurring theme. Is the is that, and you know, I mean, I've spent a, a good few years in the business, and 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 it's just not something that I'm used to hearing or experiencing. Where people, so many people said, and he became a mate. And we did, and we, you know, we used to do this, and, we, and it's, it's just that that very rarely, rarely happens.
0: Well, I think with Lem, he uh, effectively one he didn't really have a, a, a family home, if you say, um, you know, he wasn't sitting at home in, in, a, in a large house with a wife and three kids. Yeah, he was constantly touring. When he wasn't touring, he's was slightly on edge because he wanted to be touring. I think <laughs> um, so. To him, his family would be those surrounding. I mean, the band were very, very good to the road crew. I don't know the details. I'm pretty certain they had them on some kind of, and you know, year year round retainer, so they they always um, had had work or had, had money coming in. Um, and it was a family. Um, that the, the whole band, uh, the manager Todd singerman was um, very very considerate family. Todd rang me up out of the blue and said, "Didn't you live in New Zealand?" Um, uh, at some point. I said, yeah, yeah, years ago. He said, well, look, do you want to join the band? They're going on tour with Motley Crue, doing New Zealand and Australia. I said, well, in what capacity? Just doing press. He said, no, no, just go out. Just go enjoy yourself. I said, what the hell? <laughs> uh, so they're, they're so generous. And Lemmy is the same. i I've sorted out a couple of adverts for it. And it's, it's my job to do it, effectively. Um, but um, he said, just give me cash. and P me give me a, a large
1: wad
0: of cash and say this is for you thanks for that well wow. um, so and it's not the sort of thing an artist would do it's very rare um, no
1: no but as you said as you say though it was the band was really like you say if he wasn't on tour he was itching to be on tour the band was lemmy's complete and total existence there was no totally. like you say there totally. was no family there were, you know there was no sort of kids running around it was literally it's it's just it's all, of, the yeah, all the band all the time Mm. Yeah. And and so that does mean that like you say you somebody is kind of more amenable and more available to um uh you know to do those to do those kind of things you know to do to meet meet up and just you know go for a go down the pub etc. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean we had laughs on you know I did we did a I think we did a an interview with BBC Radio Scotland but we did it from carting House in London. And um it, so we we're in a booth who was on, um, doing the interview via, via, um, phone. Uh, and I looked down <laughs> and the dials went up to 11. And it yeah. was just, what the hell? And the BBC, and it's just that spinal tap moment. And I <laughs> passed out laughing. And he looked at me frowning as if like, I'm doing this interview. And I, I pointed at the dials and he looked at it, saw 11. And that was it, the two just cracked up. <laughs> there just so many tiny little moments <laughs> where just looking at each other and what
1: the hell? It's it's funny because one thing I've picked up about about Lemmy, apart from obviously his his great sense of humor, is the fact that um, he was he was very loyal, and um, he was also you know he, he wasn't the kind of live wire that people think. You know, he, you know he did enjoy sitting down and making models and and reading a book and 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 very much. so. I
0: mean, whenever you went in the dressing, wherever you were, he'd be reading. He'd just be be reading. Uh, and, and I used to collect books. I, in fact, quite recently, I, I had a book, and I thought, "Oh, i give that to them," as you do. Um, oh, and yeah. they just say, "Oh, that's not going to happen." But yeah, he was always reading. Very, very wise. Very knowledgeable. He wanted if there's something people talked about he didn't know about, he'd, he'd try and read about it. Uh, very interested in history. um But um, he also, I mean he used to do um, model airplanes years ago but then he got to the point where he'd had on the rider, anywhere in the world he'd had to have those kinder eggs
1: <laughs> Right, so he um, could make yeah. the toys
0: Yeah, I think they stopped them, didn't they? A couple of years ago because yeah. uh, little kids might swallow the parts or some rubbish but every dressing room he went into there'd be a pile of kinder eggs and he'd be sitting there making these little models <laughs> that That's his thing
1: That is brilliant That is absolutely brilliant um, and, and of course, one of the one of the hardest working guys as well. I mean, as you said, when you first when you first got involved, they you know they couldn't get a gig in in the UK. And you know the thought of that now, and people listening to this, will just be utterly amazed. But they it did have their, they had their fallow times.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I remember uh, it must have been that either that tour or the, the next tour. I worked, uh, the the label woman came up to me at the Astoria in London. And it was a sellout show and she said god this is amazing this is all down to one person i thought i know lemmy's been brilliant on every interview he's done this no no you, you you've done you have turned it around and and they were really really happy with the work that, uh, that Rowan and i were doing and um i think the band were happy because they're finally getting recognition because he moved to la of course a long long time before um because well as he said the chicks are better looking and the the weather is a lot better <laughs> <laughs> um so it's actually getting a bit of recognition again in England after all those years. I think uh, is very happy
1: yeah and did it uh, did it make it uh, you know any more difficult dealing with him because he was out in l a did you did you get out there to see him a few times? no the only pro I oh, got out there many <laughs>
0: many a time
1: but it, the problem is everything was done by fax
0: he had a fax machine um and it wasn't until maybe six seven years ago, i got got an email one night from Leman like. Oh my god, he's he's on the internet. And I got back to him and he said, Oh yeah, I've got this and I spoke to him the next time I saw him, oh giving up on all that. But it's always facts, you have to fax in everything. Um and that's a bit of a, a bit of a pain.
1: Yeah, but it's the way
0: he operated.
1: Yeah, and it and and that does sound very much, you know, like, right, I've got I've got my system, it works, that's that's how we're doing it.
0: Well yeah, I remember um where we go? Mojo, I think it was the first Mojo awards, maybe the second. And he was chatting to Jimmy Page, and they were both looking at each other's mobile phones, trying to stop stop numbers. And in the end, they was, oh fuck's sake, and picked up a beer mat and wrote his number on it and gave it to him. It <laughs> Brilliant! <laughs> Two to elder elder statesmen trying to conquer technology.
1: Yeah, and it, and 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 it must have got easier over the years as well as as. As things started to take uh, you know, as they take hold, can you can you put your finger on as as to why or was it you know was it a slow build? Was there one thing? That I don't happened? know. I think it
0: was, it was just from that, that first campaign, it kind of generated interest. Um, so every couple of years, I could get something like the Independent or um, or uh, the Observer or something to do, do an interview. And then you get a front page on the Guardian. Uh, so it kind of built. It had the Guardian guide very early. Um, we, we did a piece for the Guardian Guide, and they put that on the front cover. Um, we went around the Imperial War Museum, Um so gradually you kind of got this this curiosity. Because I wasn't giving interviews out willy really, really nilly, there were people not clamouring or fighting, but they were certainly interested in doing something. Um, so it, it was slowly but surely. I mean, he bitched all the time about photographs. He said, oh, people have taken my photograph for 40 years. Why are they still wanting it now? But as soon as you show- you know you want, as soon as you show him a cover the big issue or the guardian or something with his photo on he he'd look at it and and smile
1: yeah it's it's um i think as you say you you've you've kind of, you you sort of rationed um those publications access to him, so i guess yes. every time yeah. somebody see you know every time a journalist sees oh look he's done this huge piece in the Independent or whatever, and you know, there's he, he's got to be in our he's got to be an mag, he's got to be on our website.
0: Oh yeah, there's also Angles, There's a guy, I think his name's Andy Richardson at the NME I knew, and um, he left the Enemy and went to Men's Health. So I gave him a ring at Men's Health. and said, "Look, how do you fancy getting Lemmy in there?" Brilliant. And he laughed and I said, "Why?" I said, "Well, it's like the other side of the coin, isn't it?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the way he lives, and he And he said, "Don't forget it, Nick. Forget it." And uh, the next day, I got a, a sheepish phone call from him. And he, he mentioned it to his editor, and the editor loved it. So we got a half-page feature on Lemmy and men's health.
1: Oh, that is absolutely brilliant! What was it? Was it you know a sort of a cautionary tale, a, a, a day in the well, life no, of no, Lemmy's was, workout like, routine?
0: Hey, yeah, I do this, I do that, I do this, but uh, you know, I try to sleep every fourteen days. <laughs> <laughs> Now we also had to, well, what was the other thing we had? I think the News of the World had a, one of those center page expose things with some woman who'd slept with Lemmy and it said, oh, Lemmy's slept with a thousand women or something. One of those uh, absurd stories that the tabloids like to run. Yeah. And um, I sent it over to them, and he got back and said, oh, look, this is rubbish, absolute rubbish, it's 2,000 women, <laughs> and an one, 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 one apology so I contacted the paper and uh, sure enough the next week there's a Big apology. We apologised last week. <laughs> we let me just let with a thousand of It's actually two thousand and would
1: like to point out. Rather. Oh, that is and again, absolute... things like
0: that. It's just an extra little bit of press that you wouldn't get otherwise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? I bet they absolutely loved the fact that they that he was demanding an apology. And I bet there was oh, like, frankly, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's Let's it's run this
0: It's a story in itself. Yes, so yeah, go
1: for it. Yeah, because normally an get, apology get... is is yeah, is he's he's stuffed away, course. isn't it?
0: They wanted him, they wanted him, always want. every year I got a phone call about um, I'm a celebrity, to get me out of here. And it's like, look, he's not doing it. Said, well, do you want to run it right No, he will not do it. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, the very first Strictly Come Dancing, they rang me up and asking if he'd be available for the show as a judge. As a judge? Um, That's brilliant. And it, it was crazy. And, and I think the best one I got was, some young guy rang me and said, oh, do you think Lenny Henry would be interested in in doing this? And I thought, oh, this is really weird. And I realised what had happened. He must have had a big meeting at this advertising company. And uh, I said, I know who we need. Um, let's get, get Lenny. He'd be great. And this young guy must have thought he meant Lenny Henry. And um, I did a long letter back to him, or email back to him, saying, I'm absolutely certain Lenny will be delighted. He hasn't got much work at the moment, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. Um, and at the end I said um, I don't actually work with him <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so then we got all the time we got the most ridiculous things um, and some of them we did I can't remember what we had we had a show at the BBC a TV show and we got up there and they the, the runner came down and he was like uh, said oh can I get your drinks or anything and then so our, our and and he said oh yeah Jack and Coke and said i had to go up to the bar for that and then we looked at him he looked at me, and I said, yeah, yeah. and? He said, well, I have to go all the way upstairs to the bar. I said, OK, you know. So he reluctantly went upstairs, came down. Then Lemmy lit up a cigarette. He said, oh, you can't, can't smoke, it, yeah, can't smoke. And he put him out by the dustbins. And um, Lemmy just looked at me and said, do we have to do this? I said, no. Nah. He said, should we go? I said, yeah. <laughs> and we left. <laughs> and they'd, they'd already said for the last two days, all Lemmy's appearing on the show and everything. But they just treated him like absolute dirt so um, we
1: walked <laughs> that, that is well yeah and and I don't think anyone listening to this would be surprised at that it, it, it is kind of one of those it, it, it's one of those situations where yeah you, you can't see him putting up with that
0: well no and uh, we did never mind Buzz Cox and I just I think I just had my 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 daughter which is baby and I couldn't make the evenings I think I got him as far as the BBC and said look I'll leave you uh, Manny from Final Screams there, um, and uh, I'd spoken to Manny, organising a gold disc for, for them because Scream had covered Motorhead on one of their albums. Right. Um, so he was like, okay, Manny's there, he'll be okay. And um, I went home. And the next day, uh, I met him at the hotel, and he said, I'm really sorry, Nick. And he, he gave me a letter. he'd written a long letter to me apologising um, because they were treating somebody out of Buck's Fears, go out of Buck's Fears, very contentiously.
1: Um, oh, like like and, she wasn't a real musician, just, you know. Yeah,
0: and, right. and, and he was so fuming, he walked off the show, and um, and they managed to cobble it together from, I think, rehearsals and, and what, when he was there. But um, he was so apologetic to me. But it, again, didn't really care. It was more of a story, him walking off it, than it was um, him staying.
1: <laughs> This this is the thing with 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 Lemmy, and and I think a, a contradiction that, that externally people won't be aware of. You know, I mean, for instance, we've you know back to back there, you've got a story of you know him wanting an apology, saying, "No, I've slept with two thousand women," and then what would appear to be something that is completely opposite to that—a a woman, you know, you know, a, a, a woman is having you know well, needless no, needless no, 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 no. low scale jokes made about her, and he yeah,
0: and he invincible. walks off. That's a, because he's a to, he was a total gentleman. Yeah. And that was the principle there. He's going, you're you're overstepping the mark. The other thing was uh, a, a twinkle in his eye joke. You know, it's like, okay, if you're going to say this, you might as well say this. But with Jay, I think it was a case of, uh, right, you're overstepping the mark, you're, you're treating her horribly. Um, and you had to stand up for it.
1: Well, the thing is, he's it, and you know he was he was a great um, defender of women, and he was a great um, promoter of you know he's always he, you know he worked when you think of the female artists that he worked with you know during his career. Oh,
0: um,
1: exactly. And I, and, I, and I, that's one thing that's always come across. Um, I mean, I've spoken to um, two of girls' school, and of course they've you know they've got nothing but good things to say about him. Mm. Um, and it, it's it, it's always that you know he was. He was always determined to kind of change people's opinion. That, especially in you know in the in the era where Motorhead were first, first started out, there was there was very little women in the scene.
0: Indeed, and he he also had his principal. It was one of the of his life, I think, he lost to heroin. Um, and I was contacted by um, a, a conservative MP in the Welsh in Wales. Um, he wanted Lemmy to speak. At the Welsh Parliament about um, uh, drugs because he knew that, uh, that Lemmy was very anti heroin. So I organised it, uh, we had a showdown there in Cardiff. So I went down and we went to the um, Parliament, and Lemmy got up and spoke to the MPs about. Um, Drug abuse, then he, he, he went into one about uh, he thought heroin should be legalised. And this uh, MP was apoplectic. Hang like, on a second, <laughs> what I brought him down here to say. Yeah. Um, because then his argument was, look, it's a killer drug. If it's controlled, people will have it controlled. And he's very, very much against heroin. But if it had to exist, then uh, he's saying just legalise it.
1: Yes, yeah, because then you, you can control the purity and you know who's taking what and where they are.
0: That's a discussions for another <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah yeah isn't it isn't it just yeah things things have not moved on to that extent um so i i mean obviously you worked with him for for many how many, how many years in total i think it was 21 22 wow it
0: was,
1: um yeah the, yeah probably twenty twenty one yeah yeah that's amazing and and it, how did that relationship come to an end in the in you know eventually
0: I started my own company, um, and the band's label had a deal with uh, another PR company right. I used to work for. Right. And uh, Lem and um, the band's manager uh, um, said they wanted me, so there was a kind of flux there. But the label was saying, "Actually, we got they're paying already for this guy, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So we kept in touch, and when he was in town. Um, I, I he'd call and we'd go out um, and then eventually i did uh what did i work on motorizer Then i think it was aftershock and then bad magic but you know in a kind of secondary phase it all got a bit messy to be honest um and it's just hard because he's in la it's it's harder to see him um but yeah it wasn't there wasn't a bit of or anything we, we remained friends till the very end um and just didn't see it as much
1: of each other as we could. Yeah, and but that's still that's still a um, a great gesture on their bepa- on their behalf wanting to uh, stay working so. with you.
0: Very much so. Very much so. Because you and both because we be
1: both sure. know we both know those how what a pain that would have been for everybody at the record label, and they would have been working all of the time to stop it.
0: Well, exactly. It just gets very messy when you get into the politics sort of these things, and. Um, I just couldn't be bothered to, to argue about it all. <laughs> it gets to the point, cause I, I retired, not long after um, um, Len passed on, um, I decided I was retiring. It just gets to the not he knocked the stuffing out of me. Um, and you start thinking, how long can I go around running around and seeing Gibb for uh, getting home at 2 in the morning and, and doing whatnot, the crowbar, till 5 in the morning? And um, I just thought, actually maybe. I may have enjoyed my life and taken a back step now.
1: Well, you've just mentioned the Crowbar, which has just all of a sudden made me very sad, because of course we've lost that during lockdown. Well,
0: I I took them to the Crowbar. (laughs) I thought, because he loved his bourbon, and I thought he's going to be absolutely wowed by this place. A whole wall of bourbon. And we got in there and um, got our drinks and sat down, and he said, "Uh, it's a fruit machine here. I said, (laughs) no. And go somewhere else, and that was it. That was the end of the crowbar. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> She's like, a second home, and you just dismissed it. And
1: oh, that is brilliant! You th- Yeah, yeah, the 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 one hole in your plan.
0: Indeed, so I took him over the road to the Phoenix Bar and uh, and let him loose some shit.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, that's that that that's brilliant. So, um, do you do you think? You know, I'm just picking up on what you were saying earlier. There was 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 Lemmy's was Lemmy's passing. Um, part, did that contribute to you sort of deciding no, to retire?
0: Totally, because the the fun the people, well, right? Lemmy, uh, John Peel was another. became a friend of mine, and you um, lost him. Yeah. The kind of people you look up to, you're thinking, well, if he can do it, I can do it, and. Um, when they're not, they suddenly they're not doing it anymore, you start thinking, oh, hang on, maybe I am mortal. Um, and it was definitely one of those back steps. I had to take some time out. I was so, so upset and um, I just thought, actually, I can't do this anymore. It's getting ridiculous. It's a younger man's game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And with Lemmy, it was a full-on party and um, I, I do too. So once you're in, as they used to say, when in Rome, do as the Romans. So once in Len's hotel room, dressing room, his company, do as Len. Um, So everything's a little vague. People say, oh, you ought to write a book, but I really haven't got a clue about what happened when. It's all all a bit (laughs)
1: vague. Well, yeah, all you know is that you had a good time.
0: Yeah, and you can remember certain things. I remember losing his Clang Award. Um, The Clang Awards with... Gary Newman and his wife, Gemma, um, and Tara palmer Tomkinson, her friend uh, of was can you do this? Amazing. Just be, uh, and um, I'd been so careful. I'd had a massive, massive meal before I got there, because it's an afternoon affair. And um, I was like, really careful. We got, got all afternoon in here. And I, I, I don't I must have drunk something it was laced because I was rotten, and I handing his his um, uh, award in at the after party, and handing in the dressing room, uh, the cloakroom. So I knew it was safe. I knew it was safe. Whatever happened, then I went to get it at the end of the night, and it wasn't there. I'm like, what did I do with it? So it would definitely be like, oh god. And the next day, I got in his reverse of him apologising to me. About the never mind the bus call. Yeah, I got in. I was so nervous. And I got so angry. I said, no, "I'm so sorry." He said, "What's up?" I said, I, I, "I lost your karanga award somewhere." I said, oh, how would you manage that? I said, "Well, I don't know what happened, but I was kind of. I thought I was okay, but I it in. You know, I didn't know what I'd done with it. And he was really making me squirm. But so he just reached behind behind oh, the, the bed and pulled it out and said, well, this one." <laughs> Where did you get it from? You think I was going to leave it with you, the state you were in, <laughs> and you had it all along?
1: <laughs> did you uh, do you ever find found out why? Uh, you know what happened that night? Had, had something been slipped to you? I think
0: I, I honestly think there must have been something. I remember um, Tara and her friend had drinks on the table, and Lem and I had finished our drinks. And I think Tara and her friend had gone and I knocked back a glass of wine. I'm wondering if something was it. You know, I don't know what it was, but I, I, when you out with <laughs> Lem, you're very careful. You see, with, with Lem, people think you drank a lot, but a lot of the time, he be, he have his fruit machine, and he drink on top, and he just get a little top-up every half hour, hour. So it wasn't as though he was drinking 20 Jack Daniels, he was drinking maybe three Jack Daniels, he had a little top-up, top, and he was very, very canny. And you knew that if you're going out with Lem for the night, you had to, to pace yourself, because you're going to be absolutely screwed otherwise yeah so i had no idea what happened
1: that night never will do and uh, well I, I and i like you saying you know you had a massive meal it's like yeah you, you needed a proper stomach lining because you know well, it's, it's like a reward so i only had a
0: couple of drinks i was, I was so cautious and it's one of those whoa, something
1: something weird went on there Yeah, <laughs> the old best laid plans of mice and men and all that
0: indeed and we used to go to Stringfellow. he loved string fellows I hated it. I absolutely don't understand the whole concept of, of lap dancing or, or yeah. anything. um And every time he we went there, he'd look at me and grin. you're it, don't you? And, um, but then he'd buy me a lap dance, and it'd just be the most embarrassing thing ever. I thought, oh, fuck, crying out loud. And he was sitting there, and this lovely lady's doing what she's doing, and um, she'd yell again, and he'd look at me and go, you hate it. <laughs> Um I I actually enjoy his company and, and enjoy having a drink and, uh, and Peter was always very, very he was great friends with Lem. He he got a name in the sixties, um, before Hawkwind. Wow. Um he booked him he used to put bands on in club in Sheffield and um got to know then and um they were very good and, and Peter was wonderful whenever he saw them and often if he just saw me because he knew um I was with them. I was friends with him. He, he, he pulled me aside and put me on his table um, and the be complimentary drinks and things.
1: That's amazing. That's so, like um, it, it, it's 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 almost like it's almost like he took on that sort of uh, the mantle of like an underworld figure. Do you know what I mean? You you were just recognised <laughs> yeah. as somebody who My knew father. him. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you're getting the treatment as well.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, by association.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when, um, when was the? Can you remember the last time that that you um that you met him?
0: Uh, probably saw him. Lee Hyde Park. Um, um, yeah, he he wasn't well for, for probably a year and a half, two years. Not cripplingly crittling, ill, but um, uh, what it, it, it enough for a quiet it's all. I'm not going to work today. But he carried on touring. He did a a shorter set. I think they did a 14-minute set, Um, and I I saw him very briefly. Uh, But he wasn't well. Um, um, But I remember over the years, he had he had something wrong with him years and years ago. And Todd, uh, the manager, Todd, I was chatting to him. they gave him a um, uh, an X-ray lungs of his lungs because he smoked. I was speaking to the manager, and he said, that you know, three or four packets a day he smoked at Marlboro. Yeah. Um, and the manager said, the lungs are absolutely clear. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, another time, he was diagnosed as <laughs> mildly diabetic. So, or diabetic. So I went round to his flat in LA, and he did a juice, or he gave me a, a, a pint mug, filled half of it with Jack Daniels, all the Cokes in the fridge. So I went to the fridge, and, they, <laughs> and it had one, one level... But, just, it was full of Matias Rosé, this kind of sweet uh, yeah. Portuguese wine. Um, There's 12 bottles there. I said, mate, what, what's all the Matias Rosé? I said, oh, the doctor said I'm not allowed to drink uh, this diabetic stuff, so I'll drink that during the day and just drink Jack Daniels at night. That, <laughs> that would let me not drink it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Theory but well Matthias Rose, yeah, that, 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 that tells us what sort of era it was.
0: Well no that was no, it was like this was oh, I guess early two thousands, but Matthias Rose I associate right. with the eighties. Yeah. Um but it's just bizarre. I guess it's something you saw and thought, Oh, that's great alcohol, and I've heard of it. That'll do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um uh and so that was the that that was the, the last time you saw him, Hyde Park
0: yes it would have been yeah because uh, oh, it's hard to think um, I would have seen him maybe at down like, yeah high Park would have been last time last time and he wasn't well and it was only a brief popping in because again when he's in London there's a whole queue of people yeah and ordinarily if I've got a few days press I'm going to hang out with him at the hotel we can go out for a drink whatever um, but he was in town and it's a one off show and he's um, just sort of just trying to see him for a small hello before before going.
1: Yeah, I know. So, I, I know what you mean. If you when you're when you're used to spending that sort of quality time and 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 hanging out with essentially a friend. When you're in a situation like that, and you're, you know, I'll, you're say not, see,
0: that, I'll see you next time. Yeah. Yes. Always the next time. Just, oh, I'll catch up your next
1: year. Yeah, because there's al- there's almost like a sort of tacit agreement between the two of you as well, isn't there? That yeah, it, it's like yeah, they, we haven't really got yeah, time to catch up. I'll catch up. Next year. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Except no, when there isn't a the next year. Yeah. Running out of friends and
1: running out of years. <laughs> well, exactly. But, uh, look, I mean, I, I I can't thank you enough for sharing those, d- those memories. it was uh, no, you know, a Absolute pleasure. Some great stories. I remember isn't it? selling them as well. <laughs> That's great. Look, Nick, thank you very, very much. Really appreciate it.
0: No problem, mate. It's great to speak to you.
1: Yeah, you too, man. Take care.
0: You take care.
1: See ya. Wasn't that fun? Hasn't this been a fun 36 and a half minutes? Um... I I hope you enjoyed as always, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it. Um I'm really kind of feeling like I'm becoming a, a sort of um uh motorhead historian. I feel like I feel like I'm a, a custodian in the uh museum that is motorhead. Um, and um, and it's it's fascinating speaking to these people and hearing all these stories and I really feel like we're you know we're doing something really worthwhile here, making sure that we that we get these stories down and and we get all of these things documented, um, because it's you know Motorhead are a, a band worth celebrating and and their legacy is well worth keeping alive and expanding and uh, hopefully. We're expanding your knowledge with every episode. Or you're getting to hear some stories you've heard before, but directly. So, uh, anyway, look, as always, thank you very much for listening. Um, you, can, you can get hold of the motorcast on all social media. Just hit up Motorhead and hashtag the motorcast. Any questions, come and join the party. It's great fun as always. Remember, please do subscribe. And I will see you here in two weeks' time for another episode of the motorcast. I don't show you greed. The only card I need is the Ace of Spades.
0: The Ace of Spades.